everyone. You're listening to Game Changers of Health, the podcast that fuses healthcare, gaming, and therapeutics. Brought to you by 21 Grams, a real chemistry company, the heart of our show is the patient and caregiver experience, and quite possibly your experience. I'm your host, Devin Taylor, a brand strategist with 21 Grams and a lifelong gamer. Today, we're going to talk to Andrea Renee, a true game changer who's going to dive deep into her perspective as a gaming industry veteran and as a patient. As video games evolve and grow faster than any other digital medium, we're going to examine how they're improving lives through its infinite benefits, its ability to connect us, and its ability to heal us. Today's interview will focus on the introduction of how gaming is positioned to change the landscape of healthcare. Throughout this season, we'll seek to connect how brands, specifically healthcare brands, are creating deeply immersive experiences in the gaming space. Welcome to Game Changers of Health. Glad to have you. I am so thrilled to welcome our guest today. We have Andrea Renee joining us. Andrea is the host and producer of What's Good Games. Your source for video game news, analysis, commentary, and funny stuff also happens to be one of my personal favorite podcasts. And uh, congratulations, Andrea, on the pod celebrating over 300 episodes at this point. Um, And in addition to charting the path for women in gaming, Andrea has been in the industry for over a decade. She's worked for so many companies in the industry, including IGN, Xbox, Square Enix, WB Games, GameStop TV, and more. She's also hosted EA Play, the Nintendo World Championship, and regularly speaks on panels and conferences in the gaming space. So we are thrilled to have you, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us here. Why, thank you so much for having me. So we're going to talk about a lot today. The focus of the podcast, of course, is bringing together healthcare and gaming. So we're going to dig into some stuff that, you know, you might not normally hear on a gaming podcast, but we think it's a really important area. And again, we're so excited to have you. To kick things off, I'd love for you to think back as far as you can and talk about what moment did it click for you when you connected gaming with that idea of comfort or escapism? That's a really interesting question. I don't know if I have a specific moment because gaming has been a part of my life since I was very young. I started gaming when I was eight years old, and I'm sure that there are memories in my brain from when I was a kid, and games comforted me. But I think I really connect with games as therapy, so to speak, from my adult years, because being an adult is stressful. You know, having all those responsibilities really weighs on you sometimes. And gaming is just such a wonderful escape, both as a solo endeavor and also as a means to connect with other people. Absolutely. It's one of the things I love about it, too. Um, We're both moms, so talk about stressful. I know for me, even though I don't get to game as much as I used to whenever I do, it's it's something that can really help me disconnect and and just take a breather. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. So again, going back, not quite as far, when did you realize that gaming was going to take such a central role in your life, both, you know, personally, but also making it your career? There was a pretty distinct moment in the beginning of my on-camera career. So I started off actually wanting to be an entertainment news reporter. I originally went into journalism after falling in love with Channel One when I was in middle school and then growing up with icons like Barbara Walters and then people even like Mary Hart. And me seeing the 
fantastic opportunities to tell stories on camera really wanted me to go into broadcast journalism. But I just so happened to graduate and move to Los Angeles to pursue my career at a really unlucky time, let's say. It was around 2006 is when I moved. And of course, the following year, the economy dropped out. And then the year after that, we were officially in the Great Recession and the writer's strike had happened here in Hollywood. And it was really a hard time for everybody, not just people trying to work in entertainment. And I really decided at that moment that I had to do something. I had to figure out some kind of pivot because it was clear that I wasn't going to book any work in entertainment. There was just too much competition. And I was actually working with a hosting coach at the time And this is when the rise of expert on camera hosts was really making its movement. And so I was like, hmm, well, what can I do? And she tried to help me figure out like, well, what are you an expert in? (laughs) You know, I think a lot of us would be like, well, I really like movies and TV. And it's like, well, yeah, everybody does. Everybody does. You can't just be an expert in that. I was like, well, I play a lot of video games. And at the time, there wasn't really any women doing on-camera presenting. I think there was one or two people in the space at G4 and Spike TV, but there was just not that many opportunities. And so while I was daunted, I also was inspired by digital video making its, you know, kind of splash onto the platforms uh, of YouTube and some other places. And so I was like, you know what, Let's, uh, let's give this a go. You've seen a lot in the gaming industry over the past 10, 15 years. Of course, the pandemic uh, brought everything to a halt, but for gaming, it almost catapulted it into prime time for those that maybe had had left their N64s behind and now want to pick up a Switch or hadn't been gamers in a while, but all of a sudden we're all stuck in our houses Can you talk a little bit about how you've seen the industry evolve both at the macro level, but then within the past few years as it's been, you know, thrust into the limelight, so to speak? Yeah, the the pandemic absolutely revived people's love of video games that maybe got too busy in their day-to-day lives to make time for a hobby that once really gave them a lot of joy. And I love that in particular, we saw a bunch of celebrities really showcasing their love of video games, either through streaming on platforms like Twitch or creating videos on Instagram and TikTok. I think it's wonderful that people rediscovered something that brings them joy and brought them connection with other people. I mean, think about how a game like Among Us just took off because it was all about connecting with other people and having that social interaction because the gameplay of that video game is pretty simple, but it meant that people from all different walks of life could play it together. And I love that that was a positive byproduct of a really terrible situation that we collectively all went through together. We all were searching for something to get our minds off of this just existential dread that we were facing day after day. Like, when is it going to end? When am I going to see my family and my friends again? Is my life ever going to go back to normal? And sometimes that sense of normalcy was found in video games like Animal Crossing. That was my game. That was my pandemic game that got me through. Yeah. Yeah. It, I really think it highlighted something that had kind of always been there. But of course, when online gaming emerged, that sense of community and streaming, of course, it it's always been there. Some of my best memories as a kid is getting the neighborhood 
mainly boys together to play, you know, on a rainy day in the summer or something like that. That was our time to get together, talk, chat, and share in a communal experience. And that, of course, has just become something so, so much bigger now. But I still get those same feelings whenever a group of my friends, I have a mom group and we play Overcooked together. And we used to play, you know, when we were all up at 3 a.m. with our newborns. And it's just that way of finding your people. And again, as you so nicely put it, it's such a, a nice thing to come out of such a terrible experience. I do want to shift gears a little bit to kind of the reason we're here, right? Bringing healthcare and gaming together. We're seeing this emergence happen. You were so open with the the What's Good Games community about your healthcare journey over the past few years, not just your pregnancy, but also the challenges that you faced with, with the few procedures that you had while pregnant. So first, I want to commend you for your willingness to talk about that. And also, could we back it up a little bit and just hear about your experience as a patient during that time? I can only imagine it was a really stressful time for you. Being hospitalized is tough in the best of times. Being hospitalized during COVID is really isolating in pretty devastating ways. And I don't want to say I was fortunate that my hospitalization came towards the end of the pandemic because, you know, being hospitalized at all is not a fortunate place to be in. But, you know, if it had been, you know, mid-2020, I think I would have been in a much darker place mentally than I was because I was able to have my husband there with me 24 hours a day. And I still don't know if I got the exception because I was pregnant or because the hospital was allowing it at that point during the pandemic. But, It's so tough to really wrap your head around what someone is going through if you've never had that kind of experience for yourself. Yeah. I was recently trying to talk to a family member about this who has her family member on the other side of the family going through a hospitalization. And I was like, please just reach out. There's this hesitation from people that, oh, I don't want to bother them and maybe they're, they want their privacy. And it's like, that's very possible, but you're never going to know that unless you make the effort. And it was so hard for me that I felt so alone through so much of that. And pe- I, I just didn't hear from people. And it makes you feel like no one's thinking of you or caring what you're going through, when in reality— a lot of people are thinking about you. They just are afraid to reach out. And that was a really hard thing to kind of grapple with at the end of my hospitalization when I was reconnecting with friends. We were pregnant around the same time, and I just couldn't believe what you were going through. And I know for me, during my pregnancy, I struggled a lot with with anxiety and all pregnant people have some form of stress entering their lives in one way or another. And I certainly used gaming as again, a way to to get my mind off of those thoughts and especially postpartum. But did you ever use gaming either through this experience or other, you know, moments of of trauma, I'll say, in your life, either before you had your little one or afterwards? Absolutely. Many times throughout my adult life have I used gaming as an escape. I frequently talk about one of my favorite things about video games is that it's one of the few media forms that I can consume that takes my full attention. 
Meaning I can put my headset on and sit down with my controller or, or sit at my computer and what I'm playing fully engrosses me to the point that I can block out other things that are happening in my life. And there's really no other media that does that. Video games really put you in such a role of agency where you're driving the action on screen that it's really easy to escape. And that's what I love about games. Yeah. Whether it's a fight with a friend or stress at work or even physical pain. I mean, video games are a wonderful escape and therapy for that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think what's interesting about where we are right now in the early part of 2023, you've got so many more people becoming aware of the power of of gaming. And I attribute a lot of that to the response we're seeing to HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us. I know you all have talked about it on the pod, but hearing people say that they're connecting with it in ways that harken back to the pandemic and looking for means of connection, and they didn't realize that that gaming could incorporate storytelling in this kind of a way and, and that they can see themselves in it. I've just been blown away by people picking up controllers for the first time uh, because they they didn't know, you know, they had this idea that gaming was all first person shooter, massive online communities, Fortnite, that sort of thing. And to, to be able to see such a broad cross section of the country and the world really start to understand that has been wonderful for me, a fan of the game for years. And I think you as well, but the, the storytelling aspect of gaming, I'd love to hear just a little bit from you on how you've seen that evolve in the industry and how, seeing yourself in a game, whether it's through the lens of a life experience or a health experience. Um, just just your thoughts on that. I'd love to hear. I love that you called out that video games have a renewed sense of interest right now. It's still sometimes shocking to me, and I think it's just because I work in video games all day, every day, <laughs> that people have this antiquated conception of what a video game is. They either think it's Super Mario Brothers or it's Halo or Call of Duty. It's like, yes, those are all wonderful game franchises that are still putting out new content, which is fantastic, but there's so much more. And as you called out, storytelling has really evolved quite dramatically over the last decade, whereas previously, you know, it was a really expensive endeavor to be able to publish a video game, or you had to sell your concept to somebody who could publish it for you. And now you can self-publish on platforms like Steam and get, you know, millions of people to play your game. And I think that that's really what's elevated the gaming experience, not only from a community perspective, but also from a creative perspective as well. I mean, you can have these interactive story experiences like you would find in a game like Life is Strange, for example, that tells these really deeply interconnected stories of people with really limited gameplay. So it feels a lot more approachable to people who are afraid of what do I do with all of these buttons on this controller? <laughs> I, it's just too, it's too daunting for me to learn. And I absolutely understand that. And mobile gaming has absolutely increased accessibility as well. I mean, if all you have to do is tap a couple buttons on your phone, you do that all day, every day. It's, right. it's easy. And the reason I felt compelled to share the experience I went through, which was uh, multiple open abdominal surgeries during my pregnancy, in addition to having an early emergency C-section was because I think a lot of times women 
put this blame on themselves for things that happened to them during their pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And they also feel like, why is this happening to me alone? And I wanted to get my story out there so that other women could potentially see that story and go, it's not just me. I can get through this. It's hard, but if she survived it, I can survive it and kind of have that shared camaraderie of, you know, there's, you have a tribe of people that are there to support you, no matter what your healthcare concern is, whether it's a really wild physical thing, which happened to me, or if it's just mental, you know, talking about postpartum depression or all the physical aspects of postpartum. So let's normalize talking about some of these things. And the only way to normalize it is to talk about it. And so I get that not everybody is comfortable sharing their experiences and not everybody has a platform like I do. And so I wanted to take the time to say, hey, I'm going to share my experience and hopefully it helps somebody out there. One of the photos I chose to share with my colleagues at work is a photo. I mean, it's safe for work, let's be clear, but it's a photo of me breastfeeding my my son while holding a controller. I don't remember what I was playing, but it's summed up in an image. You know, I'm stuck on this couch. He was like two weeks old for 45 minutes at a time, every 90 minutes. Yes. You can't do anything else. (laughs) You can't, but I'm like, I have two hands. I had like, you know, my pillows propped up and I was like, what do I do with my hands? I'm, I'm going to play. I needed something that wasn't like mushy to, to get my, (laughs) my stress out. And I actually found my milk supply was better when I wasn't thinking about it so much. And I just kind of relaxed and got the tension out. And that was the moment for me that even though I had been adjacent to gaming and healthcare before and creating awareness for healthcare through platforms like streaming, I truly saw the therapeutic benefits of it. And it was just, it was, it was wild. So Many of my colleagues have have seen that photo now, and I agree uh, when it comes to women's health, so much of it still is either understudied or taboo. And then you layer in gaming, which has a stereotype of being this, you know, male dominated medium. We're just busting down all sorts of walls. So way to go. (laughs) One step at a time, one day at a time. That's right. So switching gears again, want to get into the gaming industry and its crossover with activations, advertising crossovers with brands. Again, catapulted by the the pandemic, you started to see these concerts happening and you start to see billboards in game for for real brands. And, And here at Real Chemistry, that's what we're playing in. We're starting to think about how do we elevate the the messaging and awareness for our clients to reach people experiencing some aspect of healthcare that we want to make better. So can you talk about any activations or brand crossovers that you've seen between gaming and and any brand really that either took you aback or made you go, whoa, I didn't realize this was possible or or maybe even had an impact on you? I think that there is a big market to have a conversation about the healthcare industry, whether it be disease education or whether it be information about products that can help people's lives. Mm -hmm. When I think about healthcare and gaming and the intersection, I immediately think of the work that the team at Able Gamers does. Able Gamers is an amazing 
organization and charity that helps bring video games to people with disabilities of all walks of life, all kinds of disabilities. So they do both a branch working directly with gamers who need access to custom controllers, custom software, things like that that help them physically play the games that are available on the marketplace. And then they also have a branch of their company that educates developers on how to make their software more accessible for people and what accessibility means. It's not just put a colorblind mode into your game. It's not just allow button mapping. It's so much more than that. And that's why we've seen such great strides in accessibility, not just because of the wonderful people at Able Gamers, but because the conversation around accessibility has feels like it's finally circulating in the right places now. And I love that companies like Sony Interactive Entertainment is taking some of their first-party studios like Naughty Dog and saying, hey, let's make our games as accessible as possible. And that's why you see games like The Last of Us Part 1 Remake, which came out last year, get these awards for the amazing accessibility options that they put in the game. Yes, I'm so glad that you brought up Able Gamers. Disability in gaming, I think it's something like 30% of all gamers in the U.S. have some form of disability, mental, developmental, or physical. So when you see adaptive controllers coming out, and here internally, we always think about the, the Super Bowl ad from Microsoft when they debuted that adaptive panel. And just seeing the look of joy on those kids' faces when they can play with their friends in a way that meets them where they are. That's exactly what we're trying to do here as well. Bringing that whole idea of gaming as therapy couldn't be more tangible than in in that respect. Um, And kind of along that line, what aspects of healthcare do you wish you could see more advancements in when it comes to patients and improving their experience? I think of two examples. One example is from the provider side and how technologies in both augmented reality and virtual reality are making their way into the healthcare process, whether that be surgeons doing virtual training in VR headsets or using AR glasses to augment the healthcare process, whether it be in a doctor's office or in some kind of a treatment center. So I think those technologies making their way into healthcare is really exciting and potentially could really improve certain aspects of care for patients. And then I think about the patient side and how it's well-documented that video games improve the lives of people undergoing treatments. That's why we see so much charitable work happening through organizations like St. Jude's yeah. right? We and Extra Life, where they're trying to get video games into the hands of sick kids who are going through these treatments in hospitals. And as I mentioned earlier on, being that person going through treatment in a hospital is a really tough mental and physical place to be. Any kind of distraction is welcomed when you're getting pricked with needles every 60 minutes and mm-hmm. the fluorescent lights are always on and somebody's oh. always in there taking your blood pressure. It feels like you're in this endless cycle of just anguish mm-hmm. and a release from that being video games is such a, a welcome thing. And I love that there's multiple organizations now who have a mission to bring video games into hospitals, both for kids and for adults as well. And so I think that there's absolutely a place for video games to make the healthcare process better. And that's just scratching the surface. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So 
You've used your platform both with What's Good Games and personally to advocate for and support some causes that are really near and dear to your heart. Can you talk a little bit more about how you see gaming for good out there in the world? I mean, St. Jude's is one of those just behemoths that that charted the way for charity streaming and you see the numbers that they're pulling in. It's just incredible. I'm always in awe of that. But do you want to talk a little bit about the causes you try to bring forward and and how you've seen that gaming for good environment evolve? Sure. Some of the organizations that we work with at What's Good Games, in addition to Able Gamers, include Stack Up, which is a veterans and active armed forces charity that focuses on helping veterans connect with each other through video games. I don't need to launch into the myriad of statistics about the really tough health issues that veterans face and even active duty armed forces members face, whether it be the physical effects of being in combat situations, injuries they sustain, and then the mental effects, the incredibly high rate of suicide that we're seeing among veterans. Like they need help. And if they can't get it through the healthcare system, I love that they can find it in video game communities like through StackUp, where they connect these people with each other so that they can have camaraderie and have those shared experiences and have their own support groups, which I think is wonderful. And then there's other groups like Take This, which focuses purely on mental health. Take this, you know, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. don't go alone, right? Right. And talking about how it's okay to not be okay. And we've talked about that message on my show, What's Good Games, for years, really since we launched, and about how mental health still to this day, despite the fact that more and more people are finally talking about it and getting the care they need, is still considered to be this wild west of, is it actually healthcare? Do you really have a mental problem? What is even being neurodivergent? Right? There's so many questions still about it. And I love that there's an organization like Take This that says, hey, we understand that there's a lot of mental pressure on people these days. Let's talk about what that means. And let's provide you with resources so you have a place to go if you're having thoughts about suicide, or if you're having anger and you want to hurt somebody, or if you just want to talk to somebody about the stress that you're feeling, all of that is up for grabs in the resources of like mental health and what Take This can do. And just reminding people that you it's okay that you don't feel good all the time. We all have bad days, yeah. but let's talk about like how we can make you feel better on those bad days. I love that. Thank you. So we're going to wrap things up. I have a couple more questions for you. The first one is, and I'm curious to see how you want to approach it, but what do you think your most meaningful contribution to the gaming industry has been in your career so far? Oh, boy. (laughs) That's a a question that's hard for me to answer. (laughs) I think the most meaningful contribution that I've given so far to the gaming industry is working to create an inclusive safe space with the What's Good Games community. But I didn't do that alone, right? I I did it (laughs) with the women that founded the company with me and with members of our community as well. But the idea that we focus on anybody can be a gamer, it doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, what the color of your skin is, who you love, 
what religion you are, what gender you are. If you like playing video games and you want to have passionate conversations about those video games, there's a place for you at What's Good Games. For a long time, video games did feel like a walled garden or like an exclusive club that you weren't invited to and you weren't good enough and you can't play games. And we want to throw all of those ideas out the window and say anybody can be a gamer. Anybody can play games and enjoy games. I love that. And it's just been so reaffirming for me as a, a woman to to see you all and have that this discourse with with the industry, with the community, and to be so, in my opinion, just groundbreaking in the way you've approached it and made games feel accessible. There's definitely been an error and and it does still exist to an extent of exclusivity or if you're not playing on hard you're not a real gamer or something like that and I just love all of those stereotypes that you all have have knocked down and I can't thank you enough for the the contribution to the industry in that way again just being so open and bringing your full lives to the to the pod and to your community so you can talk about things like pregnancy and being a new mom and going through a a major health scare and situation. I just think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing for for men and women and non-binary people everywhere. So thank you so much. Well, that is very kind of you. Happy to share if it helps make somebody else's life just a little bit better. Wonderful. Anything else you want to leave us with when it comes to, you know, our mission of creating healthcare experiences that are beneficial to everyone, making sure everyone has the healthcare experience they want and and our exploration into this space of, of gaming and healthcare. Just reminding people, if you are having a healthcare experience that is not up to your standards or is making you feel unheard or unwanted or uncared for, get a different experience. I think a lot of times we get stuck in this idea that we have to just deal with the situation that we're handed and we forget that, oh yeah, we can actually go get a different experience. There are other options for us. I can get a different doctor. I can get a second or a third opinion on a procedure or a diagnosis. And sometimes that's a really difficult thing to tackle and obviously is time-consuming and has a cost to it. Mm -hmm. But if it means a life or death situation for you or a loved one, do it. You know, Feel empowered to take your situation into your own hands and not feel trapped in that situation. And when you do find yourself trapped in a situation and you need an escape from it, video games are always there for you. Thank you so much. That was such a great way to end. So Andrea, just such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for your contributions to all things gaming. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I'd like to welcome Keith LaFerrier, Executive Creative Director here at Real Chemistry, to join me for our retrospective segment. Keith, welcome, and thanks so much for being here with me. Hey, Devin. Great to be here. For folks out there, as Devin said, I'm an ECD with Real Chemistry. And aside from being a very uncoordinated dancer, my goal is to connect patients to points of interest and help them through their journey. And gaming, obviously, is a fantastic way to do so. Awesome. So let's dig in a little bit about my chat with Andrea Renee. She mentioned something uh, early on in our interview around finding that gaming is this wonderful way that people have rediscovered something that brings them joy and connects them with other people. 
I'd love to hear your take on that. Of course, you know, we have found that gaming has connected us as colleagues here at Real Chemistry. How did you take that to mean for her, someone that lives and breathes gaming every single day? She sees uh, community better than most, uh, she, and she talks about it daily. So when you think about what what you're trying to create, I don't, I don't think this is very different than being in a social aspect either. Like social media brings people together in a very unique way. People have conversations behind the scenes without their face showing. So when you're when you're looking at people who are in a gaming scenario, um, they are willing to share more than less. And that goes all the way across the entire emotional span. So people are angry that you nailed them versus people who are like really excited that you're in part of their team. When it comes to bridging people together who share experiences, um, as we start to figure out what that means for us, for our, for our team, for the people that we work with, for the clients that we touch, and especially for the patients that we serve, I think the bridging community thing is something that we need to dive way deep into to make sure that we're getting the biggest uh, opportunity out there for those people to heal better. Thinking about connection, both in times of relative calm, but but especially in times of stress, I think really touches on that gaming as therapy element that we are carving out the work to really hit. So again, would like to to think a little bit about what she said and and hear your thoughts on how gaming as a means of coping during a stressful life experience, especially in healthcare. How do you take that? So I, I like her perspective. What I'll what I'll say is just to take kind of a half step back. Um, when people are going through stress, when they're dealing with their own personal poop, they have to deal with things that are very difficult and they always look for a way to escape. Even at the lightest moment, the lightest touch, they're always looking for something that takes their mind off of the situation. And one of those ways that's prevalent everywhere is procrastination. So you might say, hey, I'll deal with that later. In this situation, I think what's happening is that people are using gaming, which is an immersive experience, which allows you to escape so easily to kind of get past the crap that you're dealing with in life. And with that said, you know, using the word escape, it also makes me wonder if there's an opportunity to use that escape, use that immersive experience to lessen the amount of medicine you might need in order to get through a situation, or if there's a way for you to use that to treat mental health in a certain way. That is incredibly important to think about as we think about the word escape. We don't want people to escape just to escape. What we want them to do is escape for the right reasons. Yeah. And in fact, there are studies showing that introducing patients to a VR experience during something like a hand orthopedic procedure lessens the amount of anesthesia that's needed during that that procedure. So it truly is coming down to brass tacks with the effects of an immersive gamification experience during a, a healthcare procedure, a moment in your life that takes both physical and mental uh, benefits to, to another level in ways that, that we've, we've yet to see the, the limitations of kind of going off of, of that and thinking about real chemistry's role in this. I would love to hear, you know, you've been in, in the game of, of comms and marketing and advertising for, for years, and you've seen trends come and go. You've seen really incredible activations. You've seen things that have just fallen flat on your face. What was it about 
bringing gaming into the work that we do with our clients that energized you, that made you feel like it was important? What did you hear from Andrea in terms of her role as a, a content creator in the gaming space? Would just love your take on on why we're doing this and what excites you. Number one, we need more of you and Andrea out there talking about this stuff because I think, quite honestly, there's there's a level of communication that's not happening. There's a lot of PR that's not happening around the benefits of using gaming in this way. What what I take away from how we're structuring this and what we do for work versus you know the stuff that we do in our personal time when we play games is that we're trying to do this with a purpose built mission. Everything we're doing is geared towards the patient. And why I'm so energized about this, especially when I compare it to other types of work I may be doing, clients block your ears, it's it's that I'm going directly to something that I know the patient is going to experience firsthand. That, to me, makes this 10 times more valuable than running a comms program to have a CEO tell everybody what's going on in their organization. I think there's so much more for that patient to experience. And because I know that I'm ultimately going to get to the patient by working on this stuff with you and the team and everybody else, I know that the that the situation will reveal a result that is mostly positive. And, and you can't ask for more than that. Physically, the patients will have it in their hands. That's right. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. It is incredible. I think there's very little that we as marketers do that has that that direct attribution. We talk about measurement all the time. And this is the kind of work, to put it in your words, that patients will will have in their hands to be able to help them either identify symptoms, get a diagnosis quicker, discover treatments, build community and talk about their challenges with others that are facing it. We do so much work in the rare disease space here at Real Chemistry. So if we can be a part of leveraging existing communities or even creating net new ones for people that feel that isolation that Andrea talked about. That's just, it's, it's a privilege to be able to, to put it out there in the world. And I'm so excited to see what the future is going to bring for our clients and their patients. So I want to end by talking about something that is geared towards any of our clients that are listening, any of our future clients that might be listening and talk about how anyone can be a gamer. And it's something that Andrea said that struck me because I think gaming still has the stereotype of being a little bit unapproachable and a little bit, oh, I've never picked up a controller or I, I, I just play Wordle. That doesn't make me a gamer. So as a, a marketer and an advertiser and a, a comms expert, someone that's in front of clients all day, every day, what would you like to say to anyone listening that that might be thinking, this isn't for me, this isn't something I feel like I can tackle? Any any words of advice or anything to, to help us dispel that myth around gaming? Yeah, I think bringing it home to the, the thing that they're trying to fix, any client has a problem. That is, get the word out, get people to pay attention, and then follow through on the promise. That, that goes from brand all the way to product. And I think in this situation, um, she did hit it on the nose where she said, you know, it's not a walled garden anymore. That is a full stop punch on the nose. That's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. And it's interesting when you think about that and then think about what our clients actually need. To them, it might be a channel. To them, it might be a mechanic or, or technicality to do another channel or distribution somewhere else. For us, it actually, like I said, touches the patient. So we're looking at this as a way to not just monetize another device or monetize a way to talk to people, but to give them things that they can do 
that changed the game in healthcare. You know, looking at someone who can now take what used to be some line and dot game on their on their non-smartphone to a smartphone into a hospital room and escape for a minute while they're actually hooked up to an IV getting chemo and not think about that tube in their arm, not think about the impending nausea and everything else that's going to hit them in about seven hours. But the thing that they're dealing with right at that moment is playing and keeping their mind fertile and keeping it focused on something positive. That's what we tell our clients. I love that. Well, Keith, thank you. I am so glad you were here to discuss that interview and to to get your thoughts on on all things real chemistry and gaming. Again, Keith LaFerrier, Executive Creative Director here at Real Chemistry. Thank you for joining us and we hope you had fun. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Game Changers of Health. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Andrea Renee. You can catch her weekly on What's Good Games wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as whatsgoodgames.com. Please subscribe and like Game Changers of Health to receive notifications on the latest episodes and be sure to check out the Real Chemistry podcast for more deep dives into healthcare communications and trends. Also check us out on LinkedIn and Twitter at Real Chemistry. Thank you so much for being here with me. Game on. Game on.